This is the Tour de Cosse, a series for Explore, the beautiful game on two wheels, supported by the cycling podcast title sponsors, Super Sapiens. Find out more at supersapiens.com. The Fine Fair Scottish League Premier Division, Falkirk nil, Aberdeen 3. Scottish League Division 1, Clyde 1, Erionians nil. The Barton 2, Montrose. We're well into our stride now. This is stage three of the Tour de Cosse. We've had the Queen of the South stage, and this one could be the Girvan stage, or perhaps more appropriately, the Robert Burns stage. 99.7 kilometers from Stranraer to Ayr, with 1,268 meters of climbing, and approximately four and a half hours in the saddle. Just one football ground today, once again at our destination, and that's Ayr United Somerset Park. Let's get rolling. Where's Alan? Well, Leslie? Stranra. What? Stranra. Stranra? In Scotland? Today? Stranra? I mean, we're only one step away from that. Eccentricity, though, Simon, aren't we? Let's not, let's not mock. I mean, we could be on BBC Breakfast, two oddballs cycling to every Scottish football league ground. Good. And we have been known to wear... And half footballs on our heads. Good memory. That I blame your dad for that. He cut a plastic football in half, and we put half each on our heads and had toy plastic ray guns. I should point out we were about ten at the time. Not not recent. This is not recent. There is photographic evidence of it. There is, and we were. What were we? Was aliens or something? Were we? Aliens dressed in Watford kits. Yeah. Who would have known that uh, as I got older I would just naturally evolve into someone who looks like they've got a half plastic football on their head. <laughs> anyway, um, here we are in Stranra in our delightful little guest house. I'd love to say I slept well and nothing, um, nothing to do with the accommodation at all. I'm just not sleeping very well at the moment. Um, I've been basically... Um, reading tributes and listening to tributes to Richard um, which I know possibly isn't helpful <laughs> but uh, is helpful in a way as well so anyway day three opened the curtains and saw all basically rain dots on the window which uh, yeah not this window my window my window upstairs just your window well <laughs> There's a few rain spots on the car outside there as well. Um, but Sam reliably informs me that uh, the direction we're going, the sky looks quite quite bluish and white rather than grey. So we might be lucky. But um, Lizzie Banks has sent us some advice for how to approach riding multiple um, back-to-back days. We've got another almost 100 kilometres in the saddle today after 97 or something yesterday um, and in in a seven minute voice note not anywhere does she mention having a full scottish breakfast i'm, I'm staggered uh, it must have been her that suggested going to the pub last night called the grapes as well was it yeah and then did you have a whiskey nightcap or was that your aperitif the this lovely guest house um, sam pointed out that there was a, a little thing of whiskey beside the bed and well, basically, we we had a little bit each, and it was really nice. I'm, I don't get on with whiskey terribly well. Richard tried to educate me, um, but I don't think my palate is sophisticated enough. It's been, I don't know, maybe deadened by years of cassoulet, perhaps. Um, but this is an excellent Scottish breakfast. Should uh, have a little corrections corner. I couldn't remember for the life of me yesterday the little potato... Um, Scones are tatty scones, a, a Scottish tradition. They're they're baked in, uh, or they're, they're 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 made in rounds and then cut into these triangles. Mm. And we've also got a little side portion of haggis as well, which is excellent. So this will fuel us to at least <laughs> Bar Hill, I hope, the first thirty-five kilometres. That sounds like it's a actual, well-known climb thing. 
I'm not sure, but I, I'm afraid it is up all the way from the start because we're going back out the same way we came into town yesterday. So we'll be going up that um, grippy long climb straight away. So. We'll be fine. The Tour de Cos is sponsored by Super Sapiens. You can use Super Sapiens data to find out the foods that work best for you, when to fuel for optimum performance, and how to keep the dreaded bonk at bay. Real-time glucose data at your fingertips means no more guesswork on fueling. Find out more at supersapiens.com. Stage three of the Tour de Cosse, and unbelievably, um, the sun is shining on us again, which makes me feel very fortunate. Uh, Sam pointed out this morning that just across the water there, there's a big scar in the hillside and a, and a pile of rock where they quarry the granite for the curling stones, Simon. Ah, really? Yeah. So, oh. the home of curling, Stranra, and there is the, the curling rink in the Northwest Hotel, just we'll roll past as we go out of town here. I had intended to visit there. Did you point out there. to me that uh, sort of just the end of the season? Well, it's the end of their season. They're still going in Dumfries, as you know, because I was excellent at curling the other day. <laughs> um, but here in Stranra, they have the curling rink in the hotel. I had hoped to meet up with Gail Munro, uh, a very accomplished curler. Scottish champion represented but, Great but you Britain. You didn't want to show her up. <laughs> I didn't want to show her up. But apparently they have melted the ice for the end of the season. So that is the curling season done here at any um, rate. But we'll see the hotel as we roll out. Stage three takes us up to Air, and the only club on route today, Air United Somerset Park. We'll see that this afternoon. I was listening to Lizzie Banks's tips again this morning and I was thinking yeah this is obvious advice and you know I know all this and then I was reviewing what I ate and drank yesterday and thinking blimey I really didn't get my fueling right I certainly didn't drink enough of uh, water just got into room two and I was like oh no he's left his charger someone's left their charger thank you very much that's annoying I get almost one a day I get so many Oh, if they find my Jaybird headphones somewhere, hopefully they'll give me a give me a ring because I've mislaid those, unfortunately. Anyway, yes, stage three, up to air. I think it's going to be quite remote today, not very much on the way. I don't think we're going to be having a big lunch stop or cafe stops. No oat, oat latte nowhere? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, there might be something in a little village here or there, but just looking at the route, it is very rural through the countryside so we've got to look after our own fueling um, I'm going to make sure I've got some science in sport beta fuel in my bottle there um, and as Lizzie points out it's just an easy way to absorb a, a, a lot more calories without actually having to eat because it's difficult to get all the food in isn't it I mean I'm quite heartened by her advice to eat plenty of protein but uh, some local children there they're cheering us off there I think they must have heard about the Tour de Corse <laughs> very excitable I think they're on the way to the park they might well be yeah um, but yes haggis fried egg good protein uh, you didn't eat your grilled tomato Simon I did notice no one that. eats the grilled tomato in a fry up I eat the grilled tomato in a fry up I don't know I mean is it is it as divisive as Brexit that I don't know 52% of people it, eat the grilled tomato. It's a bit like the scone, jam, jam, cream. Don't start down. that again. No. Don't start that again. You that tried was... to start that again yesterday. I know you did. <laughs> when I had a, a sort of morning scone at that place, you brought up the butter and jam thing, and I cleverly avoided it. You did. You did. You swerved that one. That that was two days on the tour of Britain last year, wasn't it? At Cornwall and Devon, where they, the custom is reversed. We're not going into jam and scones again. <laughs> We're concentrating on the Tour de Cosse and, well, Lizzie's tips I'm going to take to heart. I'm going to try and drink every 15 minutes. I'm going to try and have something to eat every 25 minutes, something like that, uh, even if it's just a nibble of something. And in terms of just getting through today, it's another, it's going to just about hit 100 kilometres. So 
going at the rate we were going yesterday that's a, a good four hour ride there's a little bit more climbing today as well which makes me feel a bit nervous and of course we've got two days of cycling already in the legs um i'm going to break it down into basically five 45 minute rides and the final run into air through the kind of suburbs did lizzie say breaking it down is a good thing is that yeah what I've heard just just yeah. break your ride up into manageable chunks she even suggested stopping and restarting your cycle computer so i might have a go at that with the hammerhead just to so that number isn't sort of 40 and then thinking well there's still 60 to go just break it down into 20 oh, kilometer rides yesterday you were keen to see how much we had left but it, you weren't able to but you're not sure that's a, a mentally a good thing anymore we don't oh, i don't know i think it's once you get over halfway it's nice to count down but when yeah. in the first half you're counting up oh we've done 25 already oh true done that's 40. true isn't it yeah. and it just flips it's a simple little psychological tricks isn't it and none of them make the distance any shorter <laughs> or the cycling any easier but mentally i think they can help and i think we should really get on the road while this sun this glorious sun is shining uh because as i said it's going to be climbing from the start okay well it's going to warm us up if nothing else isn't it looking on the glass half full side of things it is and when we hit the bottom of that first climb the hammerhead's going to tell me how many categorized climbs we've got today what's your prediction how many categorized climbs um oh, yesterday was 13 today similar distance i'm gonna say 11 i'm gonna say 16 Ooh. we'll see we'll you're see trying to, you're trying to play tricks on yourself there aren't you exactly you know it's slightly less well i don't know that's the whole <laughs> thing it might be slightly less the hammerhead's got a really key surprise in store for us when we hit that first climb chute chute à l'arrière du peloton cycling podcast team car at the back of the pack please that's Seb PK, the voice of Radio Tour, and this is as good a time as any to tell you that the whole Tour de Cost series is sponsored by the Hammerhead Carew 2, which we've been using to plot our routes and navigate our way around Scotland. And, well, the Carew 2's routing really makes riding on unfamiliar roads feel very much like being at home with the easy-to-follow turn-by-turn directions and especially all of the upcoming elevation changes. It really is like having a digital roadbook on your handlebars. For a limited time, all of our listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Crew 2. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code CYCLE at checkout to get yours today. So put the Carew 2 and the heart rate monitor into your shopping cart and then use the promo code CYCLE when you check out. Simon, the magic number is in. What did you say? Oh, is it? What, uh, what did said... you say? Don't try and look at the hammerhead. <laughs> what did you say? I said 11. And I said 15? 16. 16. Do you want to know? Do I want to know? You seem perky, so yeah, I do. It's 10, and that road out of Stranraer on the main road there counts as the first one. Wow. That is great news. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you this happy. <laughs> we're, we're off and running. One down. One down, nine to go. Nine categorised climbs to go. I'm sure there's going to be some elevation gain that's hidden from the road book. The Tour de Cosse route director is a bit like an old school Giro director you know cheeky climbs put in that aren't actually categorized in the road book and then before you know it you've gained another 150 200 meters without knowing about it but uh, because we have got to go over this big hump of land on the way back down to a different bit of the coastline up in Ayrshire so um, but it is a morale booster that that number to count down is big enough to be significant but it's not massively daunting no we're 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 going to be fine today i think i think you were a little bit daunted by today being the middle day of three quite long rides in a row and you you were possibly a bit concerned about how you'd feel today understandably but looking at you you're looking good lionel well the legs actually feel quite light at the moment but i'm aware that that creeping feeling can come on quite suddenly can't it and and the, the sort of zip goes out of them and i have trained pretty well done a lot on the indoor trainer on trainer road who sponsored the podcast years back and i want to talk about the trainer road challenge because i was smiling to myself yesterday at the memory 
of me, Richard and Rob Hatch doing the trainer road challenge at Manchester Velodrome. Um, it was part of the sponsorship that Trainer Road uh, came up with. They wanted us to actually put our money where our mouth was or put their money where our legs were, I suppose. And we um, embarked on the indoor training sessions over probably four months or so, over the winter, and it culminated with that trip up to Manchester. Do you remember, Simon, for a 4K pursuit? And Richard was a handy time trialist, a very handy time trialist. And, uh, you know, he was competitive, wasn't he? He was competitive. We well, I mean, and you were you went quite quiet as well. I think um, in the morning, if I remember rightly, when the draw was being made. Well, the draw for who would go first, second, and third in the four k pursuit was Richard put three boiled eggs in a cycling cap, and he drawn faces on them, and I said, "Well, which which one is me?" And he said, "The one that looks most like an egg." <laughs> because he'd drawn hair on the Richard egg and the Rob Hatch egg and obviously no hair on the uh, the Lionel Bernie egg. I can't remember the order we went in, but I do remember the result, which is all that counts, because Rob Hatch won. I mean, he was... Well, he's we were giving him 10 years in age for a start and a fit lad. Rob Hatch won, but I beat Richard by a single second. And I know he took it so well. He really did take it so well. There was a, a bit of extra interest in the firm congratulatory handshakes afterwards. I won't um, deny that. Crushed bone, crushed knuckle bones. <laughs> it took, took a couple of months before I could write again, but uh, <laughs> I'll hold a pen. But I remember that so fondly. It was such great fun. And Richard's kind of... Richard's an older brother, isn't he? And I think in the podcast dynamic people have pointed this out you know I'm the middle brother and perhaps Daniel's the younger brother and I think Rob and I um, filled those roles in the trainer road challenge and he was the one he was confident he would take the mickey he'd talk himself up whilst just putting the seed of doubt in my mind uh, but when it was all said and done he uh, you know fair and square he looked me in the eye and said well well done um, and I suppose, I mean, I'd like to talk more about cycling with Richard uh, as the week goes on because I actually didn't go riding with him all that much. And so every ride I did with him is really vivid in my memory. I can see stretches of road. I can see his legs twiddling away in front of me. And certainly in the last two years since lockdown, he was incredibly fit. He was strong. He was working on his, he was working on his fitness so much, you know, knocking out the rides and loving cycling and I, just the irony of life I asked his advice I was wanted to get a new bike and he recommended the Canyon bike that he'd bought and so I ordered one and I got a message um, just after setting off to come up here from my partner to say the bike has arrived and it's going to be initially I think quite heartbreaking but every time I ride that bike I'm going to think of Richard. Toilet door locked. Please don't flush. Go. Old phones. Unpaid bills. Junk mail. Your ex's sweater. Hopes, dreams or goldfish down this toilet. Well, Rob, the uh, toilet there warning me not to flush my hopes and dreams in, in, in the train that we're now in on our way back to London. Um, I think my hopes and dreams have gone. They, they were they were all invested in that race today and I just watched the video replay and I can't help but think I didn't go hard enough. Expunged all of them, weren't they? I, I don't know what happened there, mate. I mean, I had the same sort of sensation of perhaps being able to go hard in the last few laps, having not been on it or done it before. And we've just watched also the video of my little ride around I think I was up on the other bank and I might have done a bit extra few metres than you two I certainly didn't look as good as you on a bike if that's any consolation not really um, <laughs> no an hour on the clock time 20k it's been up 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 all the way gradually hasn't it so we're not covering the ground that quickly but it stands to reason that we have got to descend the same number of metres does that we it? climb today. Well, why, why, why? Well, because we started at Stranra, yeah, which is on the coast, mm -hmm. and we're finishing at Air, which is on the coast, and the 
to the best of my knowledge, the sea doesn't tilt. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I, do you know what? I've said that so confidently. There's probably a sort of you know geologist out there who'll say, actually, no, because of the curvature of the Earth. The, uh, I'm pretty sure that what goes up must come down today. So hopefully, if I'm we not can. I'm sure what your your hammerhead and its categorised climbs is telling the absolute truth today, though. Oh, I mean, the hammerhead never lies, Simon. Ten, ten climbs. There was a sneaky, uncategorised one there, I think. But I'm just counting that as the extension of climb number three. So, I feel, if we've done three of the ten climbs in the first hour, in the first 20 kilometres, that gives me, um, it gives me quite a good feeling. And it's, um, it's nice that we've uh, made contact with our umbilical cord isn't it <laughs> well the, um, the 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 van we've decided is basically our the comforting mummy of the trip isn't it i've still i did steal your joke there you, you well did say umbilical you, cord. yeah the umbilical cord that attaches us to the team car whenever i see your camper van driven by sam i do it's oh that's good that's nice just in touch with us but once again and it's probably um becoming repetitive but the the scenery is it just blows your mind coming past the sort of peaty landscape there um it's just non-stop beauty even though we've got a little bit of rain shower which has actually eased off so i think we should crack on while it's while it's just stopped raining i mean we're, we're never going to avoid rain were we that's the one thing we knew um all we can do is be pragmatic about it, try and stay out of the worst of it if we can, and then crack on when when we have to. Well, we've got a reassuring descent coming up as well, haven't we, I think? According to the sports director who's been looking at the road book, um, but I mean, you know... Is that good right, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it starts to drop down once you reach the first of, what is it, 16 climbs today or 13 climbs? Or no, it? it's actually only 10, 10 the magic sorry. number. Only 10, we were very... We were very heartened by that a little while ago. But, you know, in the world of cycling, there's good sports directors and there's not so good <laughs> sports directors. And they live or fall on their, uh, you know, the accuracy of their information. So... All right, you've got 16 climbs left there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just taken advantage of uh, the box of science in sports supplies. I've had a strawberry energy bake. Um, just just to just fill the little just fill that little opening up void in the tummy science in sport not just the fuel of athletes but the fuel of champions from Filippo Ganna to Ethan Hayter and now Lionel Burney and Simon Gill the 2022 Tour de Cost champions admittedly champions by default their ride is fueled by science in sport their bottles filled to the brim with beta fuel their cafe breaks boosted by energy bakes get 25% off at scienceinsport.com with the code SISCP25 Hi Lionel Simon well it sounds like you've made absolutely brilliant progress and a flying start and you're doing infinitely better than I am I'm only just about to leave for my ride now this afternoon so yeah first off good job um, I think yeah there's definitely a lot of tips um the first one is just about fueling it's so important to keep fueling but really that's kind of little and often and something that i always do is i set a time goal so i say to myself i'm going to try and eat something every 20 minutes or i'm going to drink um one bottle an hour or one bottle um every hour and a half depending on the size of the bottle and the contents of the bottle and even though I often don't manage to actually meet that target, what happens is when I look down at my clock and I see, oh, it's 28 minutes, I think, oh shit, should have had something to eat. And just having that constant reminder that you need to fuel is really, really useful. And so setting that goal gives you that reminder. Mentally, I've definitely got a few tricks. I find it's something that I do with intervals. <laughs> I often play tricks with the mind and say if I've got 10 intervals, then I'll do the first two and I'll say, well, this is really easy because I'm only two in. Okay, well, this is the fourth one. So, you know, I'm 
I'm over the quarter of the way through. Then when I get to halfway through, I say, well, I've done 50% now. It's so much harder to go back and do the whole bloody thing than it is just get it done and carry on. And I think it's the same thing with a ride where you have a set distance and you get to that point and you play tricks with your mind to say, I've only done this much. It's not that hard. I can carry on. In 2015, when I first started riding, Gabriel and I did the most ridiculous challenge to ride from Land's End to John O'Groats in a week. And we had no idea of the sense of the scale of what we'd set out to do at the time. And I think I think it's the same, you know, with you two now. It's a, it's a huge it's a huge goal and a, a huge thing that you're doing. And um, only once you complete it and look back on it, will you probably realise how big an achievement it was to do it at that time. Um, and so if you can try and picture that sense of achievement afterwards, I think it's really, really helpful. Did you notice, Simon, New Luce, that little hamlet that we came through, well, on the way into Stranraer yesterday and back out again today, the best wee village in Scotland winner at some point in the not-too-distant past. And now we're at Bar Hill and we've stopped because something's caught your eye. Uh, we have happened upon a Bar Hill bowling club and I'm a bit of a fan of a bowling green, having taken some photographs for uh, a book Simon Inglis um, produced not so long ago and it was one of the most enjoyable couple of months I've had really going around the bowling greens of Great Britain. What do you think of that surface? I mean, considering it's April and we've just come through the winter, that looks mint to me. Yeah, I'm, I feel like I want to go and take a penalty on it in my cleats, but I don't think they'd appreciate that. <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, you actually bought me a set of bowls for my 40th birthday, didn't you? Which was a sort of joke, wasn't it, about the ageing process? The cliche that bowls is a sport for the older generation. I think a cliche that that we can ride a coach and horses through uh, yet still yet to actually go to Redbourne Bowls Club and and try out every year they have a trial day come along it looks very friendly it does look like the sort of thing especially with my curling prowess it looks like the sort of thing that I'll obviously be excellent at right from the start well I mean there's still every chance of you getting a world championship medal do they do have a rainbow jersey for the for the winner I don't know maybe some comfortable rainbow slacks (laughs) he's very close to splitting the two red balls and getting to the jack it's what the target is oh look at this oh that is ridiculous that is just so good it is ridiculous what a ball that was outrageous hi Lionel Um, I refer back to a salami incident in um, Tuscany recently and I think I might have done another salami um, I'm feeling I'm, I've managed to we're, we're sat in the camper van now I've got the gas on I've got the kettle boiling it's hopefully going to make a nice little whistle in a minute mm. and I've just thought I don't think I've brought any cups <laughs> Oh, Simon, so we can have a lovely cup of tea as long as we can hold it in our hands. Correct. Correct. How sensitive is your skin to boiling water? My my skin's sensitive to this kind of sunshine, which isn't sunshine at all, so I'm not sure I hope it's going to handle boiling water. Well, I've actually got a sort of travel cup with me that I brought with me yesterday morning, so looks like I can have a cup of tea. Thank you. You wouldn't believe this, Simon, but at school I won a problem-solving competition. Practical problem-solving competition. I mean, it was all downhill from there, because I crumble at the first sight of a problem. But we're resourceful people. We should, we've got water bottles galore. We should be able to make a hot drink in one of our water bottles, surely. Well, you've told me... Well, you've got a little cup, have you? I've got my cup. I'm, I'm, ah. I mean, I'm fine, but I'm thinking of, thinking of the team. You now have, have sourced a proper water bottle, a metal water bottle that's um, suitable for hot and cold drink. Correct. Great. I'm pouring in my cappuccino dust now. 
Daniel would be having an absolute fit the at this. It is the afternoon. A sachet of cappuccino <laughs> in a cycling water bottle at 1 p.m. I mean, that's already three fails. That's excellent coffee, though, that, that brand, I think, as well. Well, here we go. What are you going to do? Just shake it up to give it some froth? I think it frothes itself. That's what good <laughs> cappuccinos do. Mm. Yeah, that's looking frothy in there. It does, actually. Looks good. I'm going to get my cup. I need to rinse it out, though, because it's it's had uh, a coffee in it already. Oh, dear. I'm not sure there's enough water left for you. Well, I can rinse it out. <laughs> oh, that. Do you know what? That is the buffalo speaking. <laughs> that is what Richard would say. Oh, I've, uh, that's mine. What about you? <laughs> Bagsy's first cup of tea. Richard was ever-present in our thoughts as we pedalled through the Scottish countryside, and lots of his friends and colleagues had paid tribute in the days following his death. And over the weekend, we were especially moved by these two tributes. Tom Wally, who's made this whole Tour de Cost series, is also the producer of The Huey Show on BBC Six Music. To the host, Huey Morgan, the former frontman of the fun-loving criminals, Tom is T-Bone. This is a clip from that weekend's Huey Show. Thank you to Dea and Mickey Blanco for those tracks recorded last night at the Six Music Festival. This is the Huey Show on Six Music, and today this show is a little different because we're coming live from the Six Music Festival here in Cardiff. As such, we don't have a trifecta in this week's show, but I do want to play a track chosen by T-Bone. Now, this one goes out to Richard Moore's family, his friends, and anyone who ever listened to him or read his work. T-Bone worked with him for a long time, and I know he will miss him dearly. This is a track that Rich would play in the car stereo or Buffalo FM when driving around covering the Tour de France. Rest in power, Buffalo. tribute to a very dear friend, not just of mine and all of us here, but many across the world of cycling. And Orla Shenoui, Richard's great friend and co-host of the cycling podcast Feminine, of course, paid her own tribute to Richard on Eurosport's coverage of the Tour of Flanders. How she got through this, I just don't know. Richard Moore was an eminent writer, journalist and podcaster without peer, a mentor to many in the greater cycling family. And simply a beautiful soul of a man who died six days ago and will never be forgotten as long as there are flower pots to be driven over <laughs> and spirits to be cheered. We send all our love to his beautiful wife Virginie and his precious son Maxime. This race is for you. Paula's mention of flower pots there brings back three memories at least. He, Richard managed to back into two flower pots in Italy when we had a very, very nice Maserati car was loaned to us for the duration of the Giro d'Italia. And uh, on consecutive days, Richard hit a flower pot, one in Catanzaro and one in Praia Amare. And I mean, the second time he just was exasperated as, you know, why does this keep happening? And I said, because you keep driving into flower pots, which, <laughs> which wasn't, wasn't perhaps the answer that he was looking for. But the, the most famous flower pot incident was captured in a series of photographs by our friend and colleague Tom Carey who we were staying with one year on the Tour de France. And my overriding memory is that we were staying at a very nice chateau run by quite an elderly and slightly eccentric lady. She was very, very kind, but the meal was slightly um, was slightly eccentric, wasn't it? We were in a large sort of dining room at a round table. All of the guests were there. And if you remember, we were sponsored by Niederberg Wine for Kilometre Zero that year. And we had some wine from Niederberg in the car and uh, Madame filled up the um, decanter with a bottle of red wine and let it breathe um, so it would be ready to accompany our main course but of course we 
we didn't wait. We we did get through that quite quickly. And so you snuck out and went and collected a bottle of the Niederberg wine and we decanted that into the decanter. I had and to pass it through the window, if you remember rightly, so to bypass Madame, who may have been coming through the corridor at the time, I, we had basically a, a chain react, a chain working our way from the window back to the table. That's right, that's right. Yes, because we didn't want to offend Madame, because it wasn't like a restaurant where we could order another bottle of wine and, and add it to the bill. She was providing a, a meal, which it was actually a very nice meal, from what I remember. It was just, um, it was just slightly eccentrically presented. I think was my memory. I can't quite dredge up from the memory banks i just remember the incidents with the wine so we didn't want to take advantage of her generosity by you know ordering another couple of bottles of wine and, and denting her profit margin i guess but we also quite fancied having a bit more wine so it was the logical solution but the thing was her face was so puzzled when she came in to see that there was more wine in the decanter than there had been when she'd previously left the room she couldn't work out what was going on this magic magically uh, replenishing decanter of wine and we were in stitches about this obviously the following morning Richard wanted to go off to the start because he was going to meet his brother wasn't he at the start that's right and so I agreed to go with one of you two to the start a little bit later and he went off and somehow in reversing the car doing a three-point turn in what was quite a large gravelly grounds you know in front of the chateau he managed to knock the uh, handle off a pretty old-looking but large flower pot, um, and the handle came off. And this se- sequence of photographs shows Madame sort of gesturing, and Richard kind of, you know, mystified as to how this could have happened. And the thing was, we offered to pay for the damage, of course, um, and she hit us for sort of a hundred and something euros to replace this huge flower pot, which. Okay, fair enough. But I mean, the flower pot must have been about 20 years old at least. Um, maybe that was why it was so expensive to replace with a new one. I don't know. Um, but the, the trilogy of flower pot incidents um, will never, uh, never leave my mind. Whenever I see a flower pot, I do think of Richard's ability, magnetic ability in a car to find them somehow you always had an audience as well and from what i remember you telling me in particularly in the maserati obviously in italy mm. you generally doing any kind of turn or parking people would gather to watch which mm. i don't think helped yeah i mean richard was an actually a very good driver um and he would always you know I, he, do, he took the mickey out of my driving quite rightly really he thought i was you know, my stumpy little legs and the seat pulled right up to the steering wheel and my nose on the windscreen, um, you know, cautiously driving our way around France. Um, but it's actually me that had the, the the most notable incident with a with a hire car or with a car. I managed to drive over a high curb once on the Tour de France and pulled this whole flank off the, off the car. Um, but Richard was, he was, he was excellent at threading the car through the crowds in the mountains um it was not a job that i enjoyed i i I used to hope that he would offer to drive up out duez or um drive the the difficult stages and if we ever had narrow streets in italy he would say oh you know let's swap over i'll do it and he would so uh, i don't want to give the impression that his magnetic attraction to flower pots was uh because of negligence or you know um a lack of ability behind the wheel because he was a he was a very good driver but that, i guess that's what makes those flower pot incidents all the more memorable and at the time perhaps not funny but certainly in uh, in hindsight they were we had a good laugh at richard's expense about those incidents Our guest house, the Lakeview guest house, was it was really, really nice, wasn't it? An excellent breakfast, as I've already said. And Apart from the tomato. Apart from the tomato, Simon, yes. Let's not forget the tomato. Uh, run by Elaine, and she was extremely friendly, as were the people in the pub we met. And 
the people in Papa Rab's pizzeria, including Papa Rab, who I had thought was, you know, would have some kind of Italian heritage, but he didn't actually, did he? Um, he was Scottish. He actually from Dumfries, he said. But he talked about the impact on the town of the ferry port being moved up the road to a different part of the coast and how it's really, well, devastated the economy of Stranraer. And we drove into the town after we'd been to the football match, didn't we, yesterday, and came past the ferry port and it's just basically been abandoned and looked in pretty sorry state. And like a lot of towns that rely on one industry or one um, you know, type of employment, when that goes, there never seems to be any kind of replacement or effort to kind of compensate the community for you know, the significant loss that they are going to experience. But this, the centre of Stranraer, you know, it, it did show signs of you know, decline. There was a big hotel in the centre that's obviously been left and pretty much in ruins. But the little castle, I thought, was charming. Particularly as I walked out to meet you at the Grapes Pub, Simon. Uh, it was bathed in beautiful early evening sunlight. And I've left feeling that Stranraer are my football team so far and that I've got a little soft spot for the place itself. Absolutely. They, it's, it was the people, wasn't it? They were just... We didn't... Everyone was so friendly at the football as well. Their team wasn't performing as they'd hoped, but they still had a, a kind of chipper spirit about them. They took it in their stride and almost found amusement in it, really. Absolutely. Yeah, the, that friendliness. Everyone so... <laughs> better pause here as a huge trailer of dung comes past us. <laughs> I don't know what sort of comment on our... Is that the broom wagon? That's the broom wagon, is it? The dung wagon. Ooh. Ooh, it's certainly leaving us an aroma. We don't want to ride in the slipstream of that, do we? We'll wait here another minute or two. Let that die down. Um, no, but they, everyone was so friendly and when they wondered where we were from and what we were doing and we we explained our mad journey they were just so sort of supportive and helpful and you know i mean you got the warning not to wear your red white and blue hat in the east end of glasgow they were keen for me to not get beaten up weren't they absolutely and another uh, gentleman in the pub was talking about his own cycling around the region um, and just, you know, telling me which way we should go. You go up to Bar Hill and then across, and then which way will you go from there, and where are you going to go next? And, um, you know, they all had an opinion on what we were doing, which was lovely. Um, but I think now that, that the dung wagon's gone, we can... Well, I mean, does that mean we're outside the, we're outside the Tour de Cos route? Um, you know, the Tour de Cos bubble now, are we, if we're behind the dung wagon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We need to catch up the umbilical cord, don't we? Oh, we do. Well, the umbilical cord is the bit that connects us to the um, camper van. Got you. Yeah. The, 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 the camper van is the mothership. Yeah. And we're the kind of hopeless infants just <laughs> needy. Feed ourselves. <laughs> needy, hopeless infants. I need a bottle. I need something savoury. Something on my bike's rattling. Sam, help! Help! Sweets, I want some sweets, please. <laughs> Not those ones, I want different ones. <laughs> oh dear, it's, <laughs> it is a bit like that. It is a bit like that. Hasn't He's he? got the patience of a saint, hasn't he? He really has, yeah. He laid out our lunch for us, didn't oh, he? Oh, I mean, what a superstar. As, as I suspected, nowhere en route. We've barely seen a soul today. The countryside's, well, it's deserted. Where There's there are people living in the countryside of course but our route is taking us away from all the big roads and the main towns so we really haven't seen anyone hardly been passed by a car all day even when we were on the big road there was not much traffic i know it's a sunday but but still it's a very quiet sunday maybe everyone is indoors watching the tour of flanders um but good old sam if he's well he's he's virtually made it to Paris metaphorically hasn't he I mean if he can get through the first three days with us he can do the final six can't he it's good going isn't it really putting up, up with us putting up with the cycling podcast for three days and working out just how pathetic we can be pretty quickly and adapting and overcoming 
Yeah. Anticipating. He's anticipating. He's thinking one step ahead all the time, which uh, much appreciated. We better go and catch him up and be wondering where we are. We weren't going to stop before Maybole, but we have. We've got just about 70 kilometres on the clock. We've got just under 30 to go, I think. So mm, that was a sigh. Well, involuntary sigh or was, I didn't mean to do that mm. <laughs> oh, we'll be alright we'll be alright we're, we're going to be fine We've all we've got to do is get to air everybody who's somebody's send in air they see the fit but team with whom no other can compare we'll attack the rangers and the celtic and man in the hand in mare they'll be done hearted once to meet the united man of air right turn we then rode into air with the peace and quiet broken only by commentary from the Tour of Flanders, which I put on my soundbar, which I stowed in my handlebar bag for the last stretch of our ride, so we could find out what was going on. We tried to piece together just what was happening on the roads of Flanders from the commentary, and as Matthew van der Poel and Tadej Pogacar went head to head, we couldn't work out for the life of us how Dylan van Bala and Valentin Madouas and others got back into it right at the end. Certainly the excitement of the finale gave us an extra shot of adrenaline as we tackled the final climbs of our day. Pogacar seated, really putting everything through the pedals. You can tell even he's putting faces now. What's, what's the game today? Irinated the American tour site, uh, under 18s, no, 16s, 15s. Has, has it finished or are they yet to yeah, kick just off? Finished, just finished. Just missed the final. Ah, well, we can have a little look at the pitch. Okay. Yes, a few moments, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hi. Excuse me. Are you an air fan or an air player? Fan. Air fan. You've got the got the tracksuit top on there. I wondered if you could explain the significance of the club's nickname. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not my type, I think. The honest men. I mean, does that mean they never get anyone booked or sent off? No. It's just it comes from Abbey Bonds, really. It's from one of the poems, isn't it? Aye, aye, aye. He's a big figure here in air? Aye, aye. That's, that's that. Do you know anything more about Robert Burns and his significance in the town? I, I, think, I think it's because he, he lived in here and a lot of his poetry was written in here, um, between here and Turbolton and Maybole. Although, although they, they seem miles away from each other now, but back then, obviously, um, that was where your neighbours were, was that far away, so... Um, I only know just uh, honest men and bonnie lassies. Yeah, it's the Tam Tamashanta poem. I knew it was something to do with his poetry, but I wasn't entirely sure. But um, all these years later, and it still stands. It's still their their motto, um, which is really good. The owner of United before the current owner, Lachlan Cameron, it's his girls' team, Mayfield from America. He's brought them over. They've been playing games all around Scotland, so today they're playing. United, so. So the old owner was an American? Yeah, 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 he was an American. He owned it for a long time um, and then just sold it, I think, January 2021, and um, we've got a new chairman now, but he still, he's got um, a really good relationship with the team still. So this is his team from America that's playing. So the under 18s was before now, uh, before this one, and now it's under 16s. So they're, they're overly excited. I think they're having some food and things in the, the bar across the road. Okay. Um, the current chairman just had that built. Um, two, two or three months ago it was built. Um, because we, we've got hospitality over there, but uh, we've got a new pub, and, which is really good. Um, he's um, bringing the team forward so that it's not um, so it's fully self-sufficient a fully self-sufficient running business because I think before they relied a lot on loans and then we pay it back kind of thing so there um, there's a, a lot of different things that the new chairman's doing which is really good um, they've got a new manager like the main team obviously new manager new backroom staff all that kind of stuff so hopefully hopefully next season they'll, they'll, they'll get better and so who are you here to watch? yeah Course. And have you got uh, somebody playing in the team? Yeah, that's oh. my partner. Oh, I've got you. Um, so the, the number nine yeah. and good, good in front of goal. Yeah, oh, she's brilliant, brilliant wee player. So she has, she, was, she had a five-month break, but she's back. She's doing really well. 
um, which which is really good. And she's played since she was four years old for Air United. She's always played for Air United. They've got a really good academy system um, for boys and girls. So she's hoping that she eventually gets to play um, for the women's team. Yeah, I mean it's a good uh, it's a good time because it's just growing and growing and growing yeah. women's football, isn't it? Yeah, um, the the boys team, the boys academy is really good as well. The new managers just signed to boys from the academy um, into the main team, so it, it's really good. Um, and most of the most of the kids that play with United are fans as well, so they've got a passion for the team um, and a passion for football, which is really good. Let me leave you to watch the game. Uh, I already hope Air United win handsomely here today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Safe travels. Stage three finishes outside Somerset Park, home of Air United. The Honest Men, which, as we've heard, is a reference to the Robert Burns poem, Tam O'Shanta. Old Air Wam Nair, a town surpasses for honest men and bonny lasses. Now, I've really not done the words of Robert Burns too much justice there with my accent. But someone who can do is Sir Chris Hoy and we have asked him to read a Robert Burns poem because a few days after Richard Moore passed away, a listener, Patty O'Sullivan, posted a Robert Burns poem on our Facebook page and I'm so grateful that Patty did that because as I read it, I realised that it could have been written for Richard and so this is Sir Chris Hoy reading Epitaph on my own friend and my father's friend, William Muir in Tarbolton. I can't think of a more appropriate way to finish this episode. An honest man here lies at rest, as e'er God with his image blessed. The friend of man, the friend of truth, the friend of age and guide of youth. Few hearts like his with virtue warmed, few heads with knowledge so informed. If there's another world, he lives in bliss. If there is none, he made the best of this. The Tour de Cost was recorded by me, Lionel Burney, and Simon Gill. The series was produced by Tom Wally. A big thank you as ever to Sam Slatter, our sports director and the driver of our broom wagon. Join us next time as we head to Greenock Morton. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freed and Lionel Burnett.